As you remain standing, let us pray. May the words of my lips and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please be seated? Of all the I am statements that we have looked at in our sermon series, the one that is most likely to cause offense in our day and age is surely the one that we have this morning. I am the way, the truth, and the life, says the Lord. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus' words here are an affront to contemporary sensibilities. After all, we live in a time in which truth, morality, and knowledge are seen as socially conditioned things, which can be different from person to person. There are no absolutes, our culture says. It's not possible for one religion to be completely correct, because what would that mean for all of the other religions in the world? And what would that mean for all those who don't believe that one true religion. No, no, it is all shades of gray. And we simply must try our best to find whatever it is that works best for us. I am the way, the truth, and the life, says the Lord. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is an absolute statement. There is no equivocation here. No, this is true if you choose to believe it. That will make it true for you, and I'll believe what's true for me, and we'll all live with our own truths, and it will be wonderful. That is not here. And, on top of all of that, it is exclusivist. There is only one way to know God, and only one way to come to Him. There is only one ultimate source of truth, through whom all truth comes, and without this one person, there is no life for any of us. This statement is the polar opposite of what our culture believes, and so it causes great offense. The irony of this is that when Jesus said these words, he said them as a comfort It was on the night in which he was to be betrayed. Jesus was in a room with his disciples and he is teaching them that the time has come for him to leave. Understandably, they're nervous. Why would Jesus say this? He is the Messiah. He can't go anywhere. On top of that, right before our passage, Peter is told that though he is quite sure of himself, and the steadfastness of his faith, it turns out that he will, in fact, deny Jesus before the morning comes. The disciples are not processing what is happening here. They are not processing what Jesus is saying, and of course, they don't want him to leave. And so Jesus speaks words of comfort to them. To encourage them that everything is happening exactly as it should. The path that Jesus lays before them and us is an exclusive one, to be sure. And yet, that exclusivity comes with comfort. It is the comfort of invitation. 
the comfort of revelation, and the comfort of empowerment. And so together, let's turn to our passage from John 14, and let's start by looking at the comfort of Jesus' invitation, or we could call it the comfort that comes to us because Jesus is the way. In the first few verses of our passage, Jesus is attempting to comfort his disciples, to calm their nerves by telling them that he is going on ahead of them. He is going to prepare a place for them. And they do actually know the way to get to where Jesus is going. That is when our good friend Thomas decides to speak up. Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? You see, all of this talk before this about houses and rooms, it leads Thomas to believe that Jesus is speaking about some literal house somewhere that they don't know about. As is so often the case when Jesus is trying to teach a theological truth, those who hear it assume he is speaking about something material. And so Jesus shifts their perspective back as he says, I am the way, Thomas. I am the way to the Father. You see, if we're going to understand why Jesus' teaching here is a comfort and a blessing, we need to understand that we have a destination. The path of life ends somewhere, and where it ends, that destination is the Father. And the way to the Father is to be brought to the Father through the Son. The result of being brought to the Father through the Son, then, is an incredible blessing. And that's what these first three verses are all about in our passage. Jesus is going on ahead of them so that he might make the way for them to be with their Father. In verse 2, he says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. His leaving is to the benefit of the disciples and to all humanity. Because since he has gone on ahead, there is a place for us in our Father's house. Meaning there is a place for us to live with our God forever. Jesus has made the way for mankind to live eternally with our Father again. And that is the invitation He is extending out. Not to to join Jesus on the way per se, as if we, we contribute something to this way. After all, Jesus makes the way because he does something that none of us could ever do. He goes on ahead to the cross to pay for the sins of all mankind so that we might then be brought to the Father. And so don't read this and think we're some kind of trailblazer setting out to make our own path in life. But rather, we are those who are invited to come to Jesus who is himself the way. Come to the one who then brings us himself to the Father. 
Jesus said to open our passage, after all, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. This here is a statement of his own divinity. He is declaring for all of them to hear that he is God. We are to believe in him just as we believe in God because he is himself God. It's why he can be the way. And so by faith, we come to Jesus as the one and only way to the Father. Now, as I said earlier, there are those that will hear that outside and sadly inside the church as well and will take offense at those words. But if what Jesus says is true, then these words are an absolute comfort. Imagine if one day you found out a person that you love more than anyone in this world was drinking poison because they believed it to be medicine. That the one thing they thought was actually going to cure them was actually killing them. In that case, the worst thing you could possibly do would be to affirm their behavior. Right? The worst thing you could do would be to be like, yeah, you know what? You're killing yourself, but... That's your truth. And I'm just living my truth. So you know what? You keep going. Proud of you. That would be insane. You would do everything you could to correct that person. If you truly love them, you would do everything you could to correct them. Well, if Jesus is the way to the Father, if what he says here is true, It would be insane for him to say otherwise. It would be utterly cruel to leave us drinking spiritual poison as we fumble around in in this life thinking that we are on the path to God. All through whatever tailor-made, choose-your-own-adventure style of beliefs we've decided to come up with. It would be utterly cruel. There is no way we could say that God loves us if that was how he did things. And it would be utterly cruel for the church then to affirm such a falsehood. To make the claim that Jesus, oh, he didn't really mean he's the only way. Just that he is a way. It is a denial of the very words of Jesus himself. And so it is a cruelty. It is comfort that Jesus extends by telling us that he is the way to the Father because in telling us, he's inviting us to come to him and to be brought to the Father. And while this method is, yes, exclusive, Jesus is the only way, the invitation is anything but. The invitation is extended out beyond the disciples to all who might believe in Jesus. Jesus taught them, in my Father's house, there are many rooms. As D.A. Carson wrote, such an ample provision has been made that there is more than enough space for every one of Jesus' disciples to join him in his Father's house. Jesus is the exclusive way to God who extends an inclusive invitation to people to come to him 
and have the comfort of knowing that in Him, we are on the only path to live with our Father again. Jesus is the way to the Father. He is the way to the Father because He is also the truth. And because He is the truth, we are now given the comfort of revelation. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, after his statement that no one comes to the Father except through him, he goes on to say in verse 7, if you have known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. The teaching here is simple. If you want to know who the Father is, you have to look at the Son. This is something that John brings out over and over again throughout his gospel. Way back in chapter 1, he tells us that no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Jesus is the embodiment of all that is true and good. And in his goodness, he reveals the Father to us. It is by Jesus that we know anything about God at all. Now, once again, if the destination for mankind is with the Father, could you imagine what it would be like if we knew nothing about him or could say nothing about him at all? We'd just be groping around in the darkness. Once again, it would be cruel. And yet, in his grace... Since Jesus has come, since he is the truth, the absolute truth, we can know God. In Jesus, we are taught the truth of who God is and what he desires both through and for us. We are taught of his grace and love for us. We see all that our Father is by looking at Jesus. Philip hears this and he responds to the Lord's statement by saying, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Now, on one hand, this is a wonderful statement. This is a beautiful statement of faith. I wish I heard this all the time. But yet in the moment, it tells us that Philip hasn't quite gotten it yet. He's missed the point. Jesus responds, have I been with you so long that you still don't know me, Philip? Gosh, what a question. Have you been with Jesus for so long and you still don't know him? Whoever has seen me, he continues, has seen the Father. The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. By his word and his deed, Jesus makes known the Father because he is the embodiment of the truth of God. If you want to know who God truly is, if you want to know about them, Then hear the teaching of a Christ that that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that through him in order that the world might be saved through him. 
hear the truth that God is not willing that any should perish, but that by his grace he sent his son so that we would be forgiven our sins. Hear the truth that God has provided in his son the propitiation, the the satisfying sacrifice, so that we might be in right relationship with our God and live in one of those many rooms that he's provided. That is the truth that Jesus speaks and reveals to us. If you wish to know the truth about God, look to Jesus, look to how he lived and what he did for people. See there the one who opened the eyes of the blind and raised a dead man to life. See the one who fed 5,000 with virtually nothing at all and then calmed a raging storm with simply his word. See the one who willingly went to the cross and laid down his life for you so that he might take it up again. See the works of Jesus, for in them are the truth of God, that God loves you and by his grace has acted for you. Jesus is the embodiment of the absolute truth that the Father longs to have his people with them. And for Jesus to bring them to him so that where he is, we might be also. Some balk and take offense at just the idea that there is absolute truth. But I say that there is great comfort in the truth that Jesus reveals to us. For in Jesus alone, we see the truth of God. We see the truth of his pure grace and his love. As the way Jesus brings us to the Father, giving us the comfort of an invitation. As the truth, Jesus reveals the Father to us, giving us the comfort of revelation. As the life, Jesus calls us to what he alone can give, eternal life in him. And he gives us the comfort of an empowered life. Beginning in verse 12, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus is the one, the only one, through whom we are granted eternal life with the Father. That is what awaits all who have received the truth of God and accepted Jesus' invitation to come to the Father. Now that is an incredible truth that we should take incredible joy and comfort in. But the life that Jesus gives us as life himself... It is not simply about what is to come, but also empowering us to live this life as our Lord did. Through receiving life in Christ, we are given the comfort of knowing that we can be changed. We who were dead in our sins and trespasses and lived for our sins have now received life itself through Christ. And so what we live for changes Our works will change. What we care about will change. We will do the work of Christ in this world if we believe in him because he will empower us to do so. 
Listen again to the promise that is here. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. If you believe in Jesus, you will do what Jesus did. Now, instantly, our minds jump to the miraculous, right? Well, Jesus fed 5,000 with just a few loaves of bread and a couple fish. I can't do that. Jesus healed blind people so they could see. I can't do that. Well, no, I know you can't. But what do we always say about when we're reading the Bible? What do I drone on and on about? So much so people in the Bible study are probably sick of me saying it. Read passages in their context. Don't rip something out of its context and then try to decide what it means. You will go wrong. And what is the context of our passage here? What has been Jesus teaching? He has been saying that he is going on ahead of us to prepare the way to the Father. He is making the way so that people might believe in God and have eternal life in Him. He is doing things which glorify and reveal the Father. He is acting to make God known. Those are the deeds He empowers us, His church, to do now. By word and deed, we go out to make the way to the Father known to make known the truth of the Father, and to offer to the world the life that only our Father gives. In other words, Jesus empowers his disciples to declare him, to make him known to the world, to love and care for people, and to speak absolute truth to the skeptic, the searcher, the cynic, to whoever we encounter so that Jesus would be glorified. Keep the teaching in context. When we don't do that, we get it terribly wrong because we look at what Jesus said here and we start thinking things like this. Well, what Jesus says, whatever I ask for in his name, he will do. And so you know what? Every time I pray Jesus, I end it with, in Jesus' name I pray, And I still haven't seen that million dollars show up that I've been asking for this whole time. What gives, Jesus? Or more seriously, I've been praying for my friend who's sick. And they don't seem to be getting better. What gives, Jesus? You're not keeping your promise? We could see how such an interpretation would lead to troubling places, right? How they might even wound our own faith over time. Keep the teaching in the context. What I just said there, those examples, that is an abuse of this text. This entire passage has been about glorifying the Father and the Son. He literally says that in verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If what you pray for is in Christ, meaning not just tacking those words on in the end, but praying in line with his will, 
If it is truly what is good for you and what you need, I have no doubt he will grant that prayer to you. What he truly grants are those things which bring honor and glory to him. Those things which make him known. Have you ever wondered for a moment that when you hear the great testimonies that people have of the Lord's work in their lives or his miraculous provision, how many times is it, oh, these millions of dollars that have been lavished upon him? Or how many times is it he gave me exactly what I needed at the exact moment I needed it It's that one, isn't it? Those are the stories we hear, right? Because those are the things that glorify God. He is leaving no doubt that he is the one who acted here. That it just so happened you got exactly the thing you've been asking for right when you needed it? Oh, that's coincidence, I'm sure. No. It is how how our God glorifies himself. He leaves no doubt that he is the one who works. Jesus' point here is that in coming to him, he empowers us to live and to speak and to pray in ways that glorify him, to have words and deeds which are formed by Christ, that Christ might be made known in this world. That is the comfort of his empowerment. That you will be changed. What you do, what you say, what you pray for. Christ will change it so that it is in line with his good and perfect will. That is the life he wants to give to us. That is the life that honors Jesus. It is is the the life that honors Jesus is the, the life of purpose of living for something greater than ourselves. It is the blessing of a life that's a blessing to other people. That life knows the joy of God's presence and his care for us, which is far better than whatever money he could give you. The life empowered to glorify Jesus is the life worth living, and so that is the life he gives. It is not a popular thing to say in our time and place, I know. And yet Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. It may not be popular, but it is absolute truth. And those for eyes to see and hearts to believe it is the gift of God for the people of God, that we might know the comfort of his invitation the comfort of his revelation, and the comfort of his empowerment. And so he bids us this day and all our days to come, to come to him and to receive the absolute comfort that he gives. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.